0: Happy New Year and welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you. I'm your host, David Menzies. Now, normally, we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels, but this is a pre-recorded Rebel Roundup because, well, it's New Year's Day and please let us all collectively hope and pray that 2021 will be far more merry than that hellacious 12 months of misery known as 2020. 20 good riddance in any event we're going to run some of our favorite rebel roundups of the past year leading off is kian Bexy's visit to the toronto headquarters of dominion voting in search of answers now you would think there would be a ton of media types doing what kian was doing but thanks to trump derangement syndrome such was not the case then there was my interview with sheila Gunn reid who chronicled the plight of walter matheson perhaps the most bizarre and ridiculous fight the fines case that we brought to you. Walter, you may recall, was the New Brunswick senior sitting by himself in his car with the windows rolled up in an empty Tim Hortons parking lot. He was merely enjoying his morning coffee and a muffin and somehow a police officer deemed this to be a super spreader event and slapped Walter with a hefty Wuhan virus ticket But, not to worry, this story does have a very happy ending. As for letters, you had plenty to say of the unbelievable smackdown that occurred at Adamson Barbecue in Toronto in November. Yes, owner Adam Skelly was deemed public enemy number one for that egregious crime of trying to make a living by cooking up some brisket. Yeah, that was just one piece of the insanity that was 2020. Enjoy.
1: Keane, back to Rebel News, standing in Toronto outside of the headquarters of a business you've probably heard of, Dominion Voting Systems. Donald Trump has been tweeting about this company pretty much non-stop over the past few days after allegations of voter fraud arose, specifically coming out of Michigan. About 3,000 ballots were switched from Donald Trump to Joe Biden, leading to a 6,000 vote swing in one Michigan county. Now, Dominion Voting Systems has uh, their hands over elections in tons of counties in the United States. They manage the elections in all of Georgia's 140-something counties. And they run elections also in Canada with the Conservative Party of Canada and also in New Brunswick. And it seems like, it's hard to keep track of actually, how many times allegations of voter fraud follow whenever they get involved in an election. It's a huge problem. But today we're here for a different reason. We've learned that they share not just an office building but they share an office floor with Tides Canada. Now, Tides Canada is interested in meddling in politics within Canada and the United States. They will do whatever they can to stop any sort of resource development, even if it means getting involved in politics. It's a huge problem here in Canada and clearly in the United States. We're really interested to know why they just happen to have very expensive office space here in Chinatown in Toronto, shared with Dominion Voting Systems, the company that just happens to have an ungodly amount of control over the American presidential elections. We're gonna go in there and ask a few questions and see why they're trying to hide the fact that they actually share an office floor because we've poked our head in and we've seen that they've actually removed the placards that show exactly where their office is headquartered. Was removed with the request of the tenants, so. That was removed at the request and of the tenants. Now, I wonder why they would do that. It seems almost like an admission that something mm, a little bit distasteful is going on. But we don't know. We're going to go ask. We're going to see if we can get an interview and speak with folks uh, at Dominion Voting as they go into work this morning. Let's see what we can find. Hi there, would you be able to tell us why Dominion Voting gave so much money to Hillary Clinton? Would you be able to explain that to me? She did have a Dominion Voting tag there. Very luckily, we were invited in by a friendly individual who works in this building, not for Tides, and not for Dominion Voting, but he wanted us to be in where it's warm while we asked folks coming into work on this early Toronto morning what Dominion Voting was doing when they donated almost $50,000 to Hillary Clinton. And I didn't make that up. The document is right here. It's almost too crazy to believe that an organization that we trust to be impartial, that controls the integrity of the ballots in dozens of jurisdictions, from New Brunswick to New York, Dominion Voting has their hands on ballots across the world. And we are supposed to trust them that they're handling those with integrity. Why did they decide that Hillary Clinton was deserving of so much cash? Ah, the plot thickens and sickens.
0: One thing is for sure when it comes to Dominion voting, the optics stink worse than a polecat trapped in an abandoned outhouse. The fact that this company not only shares office space in Toronto with the odious Tides Foundation, but is also on record as donating money to the Clinton Foundation? I mean, really... How fishy, how unethical is that? And joining me now regarding this fascinating story is Kian Bexty. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hi, David. Hey, Kian, I have to tell you, that was an absolutely great report, but I find it absolutely fascinating that there isn't a flotilla of media media vehicles parked outside Dominion headquarters. And I'm not talking Canadian media outlets. I mean U.S. networks like CNN and ABC and CBS and so on. And yet it's pretty much radio silence, isn't it? So why is it, given that the allegations of voter fraud are so serious, this is something I think, Ian, that makes Watergate look like a little white lie if proven?
1: Yeah, no, uh, this this whole story has been left to independent media to cover, uh, which is very strange. Um, I, maybe I should get used to it at this point, but it's clear that large media organizations have a vested interest in there being absolutely no question about the credibility of Joe Biden's recent supposed wins. Um, so the, un- unlike when, when Donald Trump won, uh every media outlet criticized him and his path to victory they said oh russia was involved blah blah blah, yada yada but when it's joe biden no any sort of doubt can't be accepted and that's what's happening here what what we're doing effectively is casting doubt on that election because uh, but for good reason right like this Dominion voting company this company that we trust to be uh, to have integrity and to handle ballots fairly and when a ballot goes into one of their boxes the right code digital code comes out and goes to the right servers and and counts things correctly that's what we're trusting but for some reason they've decided to set up shop in a hive a commune, of leftist, in some cases, radical extreme leftists like George Soros, they've set up shop with them, they've gotten to bed with them, and that reflects on them and how how well we can trust them to act impartially. And the answer is we can't trust them at all. And the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about it, obviously.
0: Yeah, and surely those other tenants of that uh, building that you visited, Kian, that, that must be some kind of cosmic coincidence, I suppose. But I think you nailed it. The, it, the word is trust, and certainly uh, President Trump has brought this up. And I think it's a valid question. Why is Dominion Voting, it's a Toronto-based company here in Canada, why is their technology uh, not deemed good enough or, or reliable enough for the Canadian federal election, yet thirty states in the USA have have adopted this. I mean, that doesn't make sense to me, Kian.
1: It doesn't make sense, and we do have more coming out on this story because it gets even worse uh, than what you've described. The leadership of this company are in bed with um, the worst kind of people. Uh, they're they're in bed very very. Uh, um, Maybe I shouldn't spoil the scoop that we have published uh, pu- coming out here on Monday. But, um, you know, the, the, it, it goes right to the top of Dominion voting. Uh, and I encourage everyone to stay tuned on this story because it's going to get worse.
0: Ken, where are the Dominion head honchos? It's like a game of Where's Waldo? It seems like they've disappeared off the face of the planet.
1: That's exactly what we've been wondering ourselves. Um, but we're, we're, we're on a beat, uh, I think, that might expose one of them for doing something that someone in his position really shouldn't be doing. So, um, you know, they, they've run and hid. They don't want to answer any questions, whether it's from me, whether it's from Donald Trump's campaign, from Sidney Powell, from Rudy Giuliani. Uh, they don't want to answer any questions. And I can understand why. They probably just made a killing during this election. The voting machines was hundreds, thousands of their machines were used throughout the United States. Uh, so they're just raking in the dough and they don't want uh, to stoke the, they don't want to risk uh, any future contracts by admitting that they really lack the integrity that they were selling themselves with.
0: You know, and and there are many questions to ask, uh, as you pointed out in your report, Kian, this idea that they gave a donation i think it was up to fifty thousand dollars to the clinton foundation Ken, if i was running a company that was responsible for the voting of citizens in an election i think it's safe to say there would be an ironclad policy that you cannot make any political donations, you can't support any campaigns, you can't support any candidates. We have to be seen as pure as the driven snow. We, we, we can't be seen, seen to have any kind of bias. And yet, here's a potential $50,000 donation to the Clintons? That stinks, Kiann.
1: Well, think about it this way, David. Uh, Why would they have that policy? Why would anyone uh, working with government have that policy? And the answer would be so that they can get more contracts because, well, depending on who's in charge, they don't want to ruffle any feathers. Maybe the next day, red team's going to be in charge. Maybe the next day, the blue team's going to be in charge. So just stay out of it all. That would be the reasonable expectation. But for some reason, they made the call that even donating to Hillary Clinton, the the figurehead of the Democrat Party, really, like she, when you think about the people in charge, you think Hillary Clinton. Um, they thought that that was okay, which means they made a judgment call that that w- the people in charge, uh, of course it wasn't Donald Trump saying, yeah, let's use Dominion voting machines, but the people in the deep state who said, yeah, this is how we're going to run this election. Uh, these are the risks that we're going to accept. They did that. They certainly vetted Dominion voting. I'm sure they're certainly aware that they donated to Hillary Clinton. I'm sure they're probably even aware that they're very close to George Soros. But they still made the call. Those in the deep state making those calls on which election, mach- on, on which vote tabulation machines to use during the election. They still thought that that was acceptable, which makes me question the integrity not just of the election, but the integrity of the U.S. government. Not, and, well, not, and not just the U.S. government, but the state governments that, uh, that are actually in charge of their elections.
0: And, and Kian, like I said, if these allegations are true, this is the story of our young century thus far that this uh, company flipped. US presidential election. And again, you know, these are allegations that do have to be uh, proven in a court of law. And I know that the clock is ticking. But I I really resent the mainstream media narrative here that this is uh, just people strolling down conspiracy boulevard, that there's no there there. We have in the US dozens and dozens of people that have come forward under penalty of perjury talking about the shenanigans that they eyewitnessed going back to November the 3rd, election night. This has to be investigated, but it's it's like the media is part of this Dominion voting cover-up itself. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, the, the media is... is a And it's never been proven better than it has now. I mean, lots of people kind of thought that this was the case, but it's clear now, it's absolutely clear that the media doesn't just act as a spokes group for the democratic party they have positioned put themselves in a position where they think it is their divine right to crown the president just like uh you know just like god will crown the queen um they are saying that they have the right to crown the president of the united states and that is a massive problem because if that's the case Uh, We don't really live in a democracy. Well, at least Americans don't. I I think maybe a similar argument can be made for Canada, but at least in the United States, if it is the media that is determining who is and who is not a legitimate president, as they did over the last four years, they said Donald Trump is illegitimate. And now they're saying that Joe Biden is legitimate. When there's more questions about the legitimacy of Joe Biden's presidency than than there ever was about Donald Trump, there's more evidence that Toronto hacked the 2020 election than Moscow ever having hacked the 2016 election. And that's oh, a fact.
0: You, you are so, so right. I mean, you know, Ken, where is Woodward and Bernstein when you need them? They're not digging up scoops anymore. They're actually uh, crafting uh, public relations policy for the Democratic Party. What a sad, sad state of affairs. Well, you know what, Ken? It, it's an evolving story. Uh, it's a fascinating story. I just hope there's enough time uh for the spotlight to be shed on the people behind dominion voting they have a lot to answer for but that was a fantastic story and uh thank you again for making time to uh talk about it with me today kian
1: thanks david and and we do have a little bit of time because if the republicans take the house in 2020 as i think they will impeachment is always on the table (laughs) yeah Indeed. Well, let's see
0: if they have it in them to do that, So, um, but uh, uh, time will tell. Kian, thank you so much again, and uh, have a great weekend, my friend. You too, David. And that was Kian Bexty in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this.
2: We have a victory on our hands here, friends. The prosecutor in Hampton has thrown out Walter's ticket. They say on a technicality, even though that technicality is something that could have easily been amended. I say they turf the ticket because they all know that cop made a huge mistake and embarrassed himself and everyone else now forced to deal with the ticket. After the fact, they're dropping that ticket because Walter fought back and because we told the world about what happened to Walter. Now, I caught up with Walter earlier this week to talk about the good news take a listen
3: well i went to the court and uh i waited outside because there was 30 people ahead of me and they were only allowing a few people in at a time a couple i think anyway i finally got in after the 30 people were done this was three hours later and i went in and uh, sat on the bench and waited until they waiting for them to call me up uh when the last person up speaking to the judge uh, finished, uh, it was a woman, and she left. And as she left, the judge get up and walked out the door. And I said, what on earth is going on here? And the sheriff there was standing next to me and he says, I don't know. So Anyway, this lady comes over to me and she says, Walter, I said, yes. She said, I found your ticket this morning, and it wasn't made out properly, so we tore it up. Well, I'm, I don't know whether I believe that or not, but I kind of wonder why they didn't let me know when I was there, not three hours before that. But anyway, they said it was uh, torn out, thrown out. Uh, w-
2: What do you think? Because I think that they tossed your ticket because they didn't think that you were going to fight back. I think they thought you were going to roll over. They didn't think you were going to go public. They didn't think that you would ultimately end up embarrassing the police force with your very public story. Uh, they didn't think you would get end up with a lawyer. And they didn't think you would show up in court to contest the ticket. So I think that they were just didn't want to deal with Walter Matheson anymore. That's what I think. Now, Walter, uh, I'm... I'm very happy to hear that your ticket has been dropped. I know a lot of people were, were cheering for you and, and supportive of you fighting back. And I know a lot of people donated to help cover the cost of your lawyer, Sam Goldstein. Um, do you have any uh, message for those people?
3: Oh, yes. I'd like to thank everybody that, uh, that, that stood behind me for this, especially uh, Rebel News, of course, and you, Sheila. You're my hero now. Uh, <laughs> There was a lot of a lot of people that commented uh, on it, and I, I read most of them. Uh, yes, I'd like to thank you all that that uh, supported me, and hopefully this ever happens again.
0: Victory! As you know, folks, Rebel News launched our Fight the Fines campaign way back in May, I believe, because, heck, nobody else was stepping up to the plate, including the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. We wanted to stand up for Canadians who were being brutalized by bylaw and even law enforcement for the silliest things like sitting alone on a park bench, or, such as the case with Walter Matheson, simply enjoying a coffee and muffin by himself in a car, in a parking lot with the windows rolled up. What utter madness! But fast forward to the present, and the Matheson case has been dropped. <laughs> Gee. I wonder why. Joining me now with more on this crazy story with a super happy ending is Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend.
2: Hey, David. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Oh, yeah. And thank you. And what a great story. Sheila, here's my take. I'm thinking that behind the scenes, that RCMP officer was just begging to have this case dropped. Hey, he might have won In a court of law, who knows? We'll never know now. But in the court of public opinion, wow. This guy was humiliated. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. I I mean, as far as fight the fines cases go, some are really atrocious, uh, egregious. For example, Tamara being cuffed uh, (laughs) for walking along the beach. I mean, that's insane. Uh, The young mom... Um, who was searched under her clothes and stuffed in a a cop car because she took her daughter to an abandoned park during the time of the Wu flu. I mean, some of them are really egregious. Walter's was probably the most ridiculous, and it had a lot of public interest in it because I think a lot of people saw that it could happen to them too because it was, Walter was just doing a normal thing as safely as possible. He was eating his muffin and finishing his coffee, in a Tim Hortons parking lot with the windows rolled up alone. And a cop comes over to him and says, you got to move along. Um, You're going to attract teenagers to this parking (laughs) lot. I mean, it's hard to even say it out loud because it's so ridiculous that, you know, like the teenagers are like, ooh, let's go down to the Tim Hortons to see if there's any old guys eating a muffin down there and we'll just mill about because they're there. I mean, it was crazy. And then Walter tried to leave. The cop asked Walter to leave, and Walter said, what am I doing wrong? The cop really didn't tell him. And then Walter said, it's still a free country, and then tried to comply with the officer anyway and leave. The cop stops Walter and then gives him a ticket for failing to comply. And the cop gets really vulgar and abusive with Walter. But Walter, citizen journalist that he is and muffin aficionado, he recorded <laughs> the phone co- or the conversation with the cop, And that's really what spurred everything. And from there, it got even worse because the cop tried to pull the same bully tactics with me. But I'm happy to say that Walter's case has been dropped. There was a address error an informational error on his ticket. I mean, they could have amended it easily. Um, I spoke to Sam Goldstein, our lawyer who's working the case. He said they could have just easily amended the ticket and proceeded with the ticket. Um, but I think they wanted to get Walt, rid of Walter and us and this whole embarrassing problem the best way possible, and for them, it was dropping the ticket, and at least that way, they didn't have to lose it in court. You know, and, and Sheila, here's
0: the thing. We've talked about this before in the past. That police officer, and, and to me, this is so inexplicable, he approaches Walter very jovial and very friendly, and on a dime, he switches... Uh, from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde in terms of his attitude, he even uses uh, some profanity. And Walter's certainly not giving him lip. He's just asking honest questions in a calm manner. I never quite understood that, uh, you know, why this guy could be so easily triggered. And that's not really who you want in law enforcement. But you mentioned something uh, you were bullied along the lines as were as was our company, and I, I imagine Sheila, you're re- you're referring to that ridiculous lawyer's letter, and I say ridiculous because it was full of spelling and gra- uh, grammatical errors, and yeah. they were basically uh, intensifying the bullying, weren't they, Sheila? They were saying they wanted us to take the video down hello, you're talking to the wrong media company. We don't bend the knee uh, to uh, uh, you know malicious uh, legal letters, do we,
2: Sheila? No, I mean, the, the cop clearly never had, or not that he never had, but he doesn't often have people like Walter push back. And Walter pushed back quite politely. He tried to comply, but he just said this is still a free country. And so it made perfect sense after the fact when the cop, got what i would suspect is the most inept lawyer in all of hampton new brunswick to send a legal letter to us telling me to turn over the recording of the interaction that walter took accusing me of taking the recording i'm in alberta walter's in hampton new brunswick we didn't know each other before so i don't know why i would be sitting in his car halfway across the country surreptitiously recording something, I don't know, crouched behind the backseat of Walter's car. I don't know what these two thought that I was doing. And they wanted me to turn that over to the cops. Like they're demanding that a journalist turn over their materials, their investigative materials to the RCMP, who at the RCMP station would ever touch those, by the way. And uh, it was pretty clear that they didn't even read the website copy that accompanied the video that I published or watch the video before they fired off that legal letter, because they said that I repeatedly mentioned the cop's name in there. I never did. Not even once. I didn't write it. I didn't say it because at the time the cop really wasn't the issue for me. It was the stupid rule that enabled this cop to do those things. And that's really what I took issue with until the cop took an issue with me and he tried to bully me. He tried to shut me up. So naturally, I did a story about it and I I lit up the lawyer and I lit up the cop and it, it ended up being one of our most popular Fight the Fines videos. It wasn't even a Fight the Fines video. It was like an update to a Fight the Fines video and it got nearly half a million views because it exposed the bullies for who they really are and it also showed how these COVID regulations are really empowering the bullies who don't normally have a lot of power.
0: Yeah, I think it's called the Barbara Streisand effect, is yeah. Sheila? And also, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't this dimwit of a lawyer run for the Liberal Party in the, in the election and um, uh, without any success, surprisingly? But geez. Um, I guess that's the kind of uh, cloth liberal candidates are cut from these days, eh, Sheila? <laughs> She's the perfect
2: liberal candidate. Just perfect. She's a bully. She's not good at the job she already has um, because she can't spell. she I mean, she didn't even get the address of the company right. When she sent the legal letter, like that's just like a cut and paste, and somehow she screwed that up too. Um, yeah, she ran for the Liberals in Hampton, New Brunswick, uh, running on her reputation, um, and <laughs> and she's, from what I understand, a perennial Liberal candidate, and she got absolutely smoke. Like she got NDP levels of support, um, what you'd see in Alberta. That's what she got out there. Like it was, it wasn't good. I think she got maybe a thousand votes. I mean, and she was bragging, I noticed online, about the number of doors she knocked. Like, she said she knocked, (laughs) like, 10,000 doors or something like that, and she couldn't even you know, motivate one in 10 of those people <laughs> to show up and vote for her at the ballot box.
0: Geez, maybe she thought that's how an election works. Uh, the number of doors you knock on, whoever knocks on the most, you win the election. But yeah. Sheila, we got to wrap it up. So a humiliating defeat uh, at the ballots for the uh, Liberal lawyer, a uh, humiliation for the officer who brought it upon himself uh, by acting so unprofessionally, I would say. Yeah. A resounding victory for Walter Matheson, no matter how you look at, at there's going to be no fine and certainly in the court of public opinion he's a hero one last question uh i'm almost disappointed sheila because we were going to cover that trial all hands on deck but i guess that just shows for once uh that cop made the right decision in what waving the white flag of surrender eh
2: yeah well yeah, we had talked about sending the, mostly the entire company out there to cover it as though it were the OJ trial or the Menendez brothers <laughs> or something like that. I was very excited to be the Nancy Grace of the company um, every night doing color commentary. Um, but for yes, as you rightly point out, for once they did the right thing. And it is simply to save face. It's not because they are motivated to do the right thing because they realize they did something wrong. It's that... They know that this would never stand up in the court of law and this was just a petty grievance um, between a cop and a citizen who pushed back just yeah. a little bit. That's what it's about.
0: I love it. The OJ trial for fight the fines. If you don't <laughs> have a timbit, you must acquit. Uh, Sheila, <laughs> great news. <laughs> Thank you so much for this.
2: <laughs> Thanks, David. Have a great weekend.
0: You too, my friend. And that was Sheila gunn Reid, somewhere in the hinterland of northern Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. careful. It's over. it's over! It's over! Go! Go! Get okay, Let me get some breath first. Yeah! <laughs> right, pleasure. let's get some yeah, meat let's start feeding these people. Like they're just getting themselves You're in more in and more trouble by the second. Cinema. This You're is America. this is what united non-compliance looks like. When everybody from all walks of life realizes that this is full of shit and they can't do anything. Look, we're here. We're inside. I'm going to start cooking. You want something? I'm going to make you some food right now. and just about five minutes ago we had the door that was locked down by the city actually smashed open from the inside out and then we then all hell broke loose a lot of people here tried to cram themselves into the restaurant I'm sorry. You just stamp we up, bastards. Here, 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 here. You should be asleep to Go it, back it, to Nazi what,
3: Germany. What the, the hell are you Watch out, watch out. God, God, God,
0: God is with you. you. Good job,
3: guys. God bless you, man.
0: Well, that was the scene at Adamson Barbecue in West End, Toronto, last Thursday. Complete and utter chaos. In fact, given the enormous police presence... If you had happened upon the scene uninformed, you would have thought that there was an active shooter on the premises, or maybe this was a terrorist situation. It was neither, of course. It was all about a restaurateur trying to cook up some brisket. And for whatever reason, you just cannot do that in John Tory's Toronto. In any event, you had plenty to say about Adam Skelly and the Great Canadian Barbecue Rebellion That was brutally quashed because, well, Adamson Barbecue is not a retailer with special privileges like, oh, I don't know, Walmart or Costco. Travis Misao writes, They wouldn't go and arrest BLM and Antifa like that. No, they would not. And if you were to shut down the railway tracks in the name of climate justice or indigenous land claims, That sort of criminal activity would be allowed to linger for several weeks. How did we suddenly find ourselves, folks, living in a society that truly embraces a two-tier justice system? John Neal Bunting writes, murders, rapes, pedos all over Toronto, but the whole force is here. Look at the force used. You would think Adamson is a mass murderer. You know, I agree, John, this was overkill on the behalf of the authorities but that was the point. Mayor John Torrey's worst nightmare would have been for dozens or even hundreds of businesses to follow suit. This was his message to other entrepreneurs that if you dare open your shop get ready for all the king's horses and all the king's men to descend upon your store and haul you away handcuffed inside a police cruiser. Mayor Torrey that was a disgrace. Jordana writes, This is about the Great Reset. The politicians are admitting it. Well, Jordana, if the Great Reset means living in a city without getting to enjoy the best brisket this side of Texas, I want no part of it. Serendipity Me writes, OMG, he's a father of young children. This is beyond diabolical. God help us. Yes, and Adam Scali doesn't want a handout, folks. He just wants to serve food. And make an honest living. You know, just like the Costco is doing, the Costco that is situated a mere 400 meters or so away from his restaurant. But yet again, if this pandemic has proven anything in 2020, it is this old adage one law for thee and one law for me. NJ writes, We are all in this together, say the liars but they are all in on this together. Indeed, NJ, I think the phrase we are all in this together has now knocked off the phrase the check is in the mail as the greatest lie ever uttered. And Gala's Great Danes and Manes writes, when tyranny becomes law, rebellion becomes duty. Thomas Jefferson. You know, but that's the thing, Gala. Where is the rebellion? A rebellion cannot be just one man defying draconian laws. It would have been fantastic if other retailers had followed Adam's lead and had opened their doors as well. But obviously anyone who was thinking about that sort of civil disobedience had second thoughts once the city used a bazooka to eradicate a flea. What we saw last week was one of the most shameful days in Toronto's history and Mayor Tory The pretend conservative with the fragile ego, he should be downright embarrassed about ever showing his face in public. It was that much of a disgrace, folks. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.